0: Trump Gold. The following program is sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth from Philip DeCourcy.
1: Don't be thinking you can avoid suffering by becoming extreme and legalistic in your obedience to God. And don't be thinking that just because God's wrath has not come that somehow it's never going to come. And therefore, you know what? You have a blank check to sin as much as you want in the way that you want. Great mistake.
0: not easy to watch the wicked prosper and the righteous suffer, and sometimes that leads to doubt and uncertainty about God's justice. So today on Know the Truth, Philip Courcy is helping us keep our biblical balance. He cautions us against becoming cynical or hypocritical. This week, Philip is closing out his inspiring study in Ecclesiastes, but you can find all the broadcasts online at ktt.org. In today's message, Philip is making some powerful conclusions
1: as he examines the wisdom of God
0: imparted to Solomon.
1: One of the knacks, one of the skills of life is learning to keep your balance. And I think that's one of the themes or one of the goals of Ecclesiastes chapter 7. We read here in verse 15 of the just man who perishes in spite of his righteousness and the wicked man who prospers in spite of his wickedness. How do you keep your foot and your balance in the midst of a world where wickedness goes unpunished and righteousness goes unrewarded? How do you do that? Well, Solomon encourages us to keep our balance and, and he reminds us of the role of wisdom in this. Last week, we started to look at verses 15 through 18 of chapter 7, what I call the balance of wisdom. Solomon warns us, if we're not careful, we can fall into two extremes. We looked at one of them last week, what I call the false assumption in verse 16. Well, you know what? To escape that, then we, we need to double up on our righteousness. And Solomon says, hold on a minute. If true righteousness doesn't protect you, against the hard knocks of life, against the hammer blows of human experience, going over into extreme legalistic righteousness won't do it either. That was the point. And so he warns us about a false assumption in verse 16. But then he comes back to warn us about a false presumption in verse 17. Okay? Here's one ditch you don't want to fall into. Don't become overly righteous in the face of the inequities and injustices of life. On the other hand, don't fall into this other ditch, which is, you know what? Since the bad guys are winning, it looks like God doesn't care about what you do. And Solomon says, no, that's a trap also. Don't be overly wicked. At the other end of things, Solomon warns that God God's failure to swiftly punish the ungodly is not a green light to sin. And that's the point Solomon's making here. Don't mistake God's long-suffering for license to sin. Don't be overly righteous. And don't be overly wicked. Don't be thinking you can avoid suffering by becoming extreme and legalistic in your obedience to God. And don't be thinking that just because God's wrath has not come, that somehow it's never going to come. And therefore, you know what? You have a blank check to sin as much as you want in the way that you want. Great mistake. In fact, here's the point that King Solomon would make. His only uncertainty about God's judgment was its timing. In fact, if you go to the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon knows that judgment is coming. As I said, it's certain the time of it uncertain. Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 17, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time there for every purpose and every work under the sun. In chapter 8 and verse 12, we read, though a sinner does evil a hundred times and his days are prolonged, yet I surely know that it will be well with those who fear God, who fear before him but it will not be well with the wicked, nor will he prolong his days which are as a shadow because he does not fear before God. Here's what Solomon's saying, and he's saying to you and I, don't become emboldened in your sin just because you live under a cloudless sky. God is long-suffering. God is merciful. He has not rewarded us according to our sins. He allows us to live even in our rebellion. He shows mercy. But don't you mistake long-suffering for license. Don't you mistake delay for denial. C.S. Lewis said something very interesting. Always follow a thing out to its bloody end. It's a good statement. And Alexander McCartney said, the main thing about a road is where it goes. Now listen to me, my unsaved friend. You who are without Jesus Christ, yeah, you're on the broad road and you're having a ball. There's a whole lot of people on the broad road. It's broad, it's accommodating, it's easy. But the thing about a road is where it goes. And you're headed to an encounter with the living God who is thrice holy. And if you die without Jesus Christ, you die uncovered, unprotected. And you will face the blast furnace of His hot anger. Don't be overly wicked. Don't be wanton in your wickedness. Don't say so far, so good, because God is long suffering, not willing that any perish, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. I was thinking about this recently, I was watching an old war movie, you know, a submarine movie. And it gets to that exciting part, you know, where our guys are kind of trying to get under some German or Japanese, you know, ship and and the depth charges go off. And plop, they go into the water and there's a quietness. And I was thinking, you know what? That's just like sin. Sin's like a depth charge. Because you see, when a depth charge hits the water, for a time it offers no threat. But at some point, the depth charge will go off. Sin is a depth charge. Maybe not this year. Maybe not in the next six months. But next year, you better brace yourself for impact. Because when sin is finished, it brings forth death. And by the way, just as a footnote to this, that's why you and I as believers need to sit tight when we look out on a world and we don't like what we see. And it bothers us, the headlines and the news and wickedness seems to be prospering, and and the righteous seem to be suffering, and the wrong people are on top. Well, you know I need to sit still. David read it earlier in the service, Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. Assured by the knowledge that we have read the last chapter of the book, we win. Here's what I was thinking about. Maybe the best way to—I love to, to draw analogies and apply this in concrete ways. It's—it's it's a bit like watching a movie you've watched before, but you're watching it with other people. I've done that, maybe with junior, with the girls. I've watched an action movie. You know, one of those gripping thriller things, edge of seat kind of movie that it's exciting to watch. And I've seen it. I know how it all works out, you know. And so, so in the middle of the movie or th- third way through, the, you know, the villain's winning and it looks like all is lost and you're sitting there, you know, smiling on the inside going, girls, don't worry, don't worry. You know, when do we get to the end? Sit tight, you know. And I think that's the way it is for us as Christians. We know the end of the movie sit tight and let it unfold. God is the author. Righteousness will reign. Heaven will rule. Jesus will come back again. Satan will be doomed. Wickedness will be punished. Righteousness will be rewarded. Even so come, Lord Jesus. Don't become overly wicked, foolish. So here he strikes a balance. Here we see the balance of wisdom. Let's move on a little into the verses 19 and following. I don't think I'm going to get the whole way through this. So we'll start at least on the second thought here. What I call the bulwark of wisdom, the bulwark of wisdom. This is verses 19 through 29. Throughout chapter 7, King Solomon, the teacher, touts the priceless value of wisdom and its attendant blessings. Look at verse 12. For wisdom is as a defense, as money is a defense, but the excellence of knowledge is that wisdom gives life to those who have it. Look at verse 19. Wisdom strengthens the wise more than ten rulers of the city. Solomon is saying, look, wisdom gives us a leg up. Wisdom fortifies us. It enriches our life like money cannot. So having talked of restraint, don't be overly wicked and don't be overly righteous. Solomon goes on to say to his audience that wisdom will empower them that it will be a powerful force and factor in their life. It will act as a bulwark against the hammer blows of life. What's his analogy? Verse 19, wisdom strengthens the wise, more than 10 rulers of the city. Now, the rulers of a city were powerful men, right? Their status is one of importance and significance. But here's what Solomon says, although invested with power those rulers A single wise man grounded in the fear of God can outshine all of them. That he can win the day. He can protect the future through clear directions and wise decisions. In fact, Solomon will tell us a story. Go over to chapter nine and verse 13 to prove his point. This wisdom I have also seen under the sun and it seemed great to me. There was a little city with a few men in it and a great king came against it besieged it, and built great snares around it. Now there was found in it a poor wise man, and he, in his wisdom, delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that same poor man. Then I said, wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised. His words were not heard. Words of the wise spoken quietly shall be heard, rather than the shout of a ruler of fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, and one sinner can destroy much good." But there's this old guy, the city's surrounded by a mighty king, and this old man and his wisdom helps that city get out of its trouble. Wisdom can do that for you and me. It it, it can fortify us. It, It can provide us answers and arguments in the face of life's questions and challenges. In fact, we're going to see probably not much this morning that wisdom makes us wise to the malice of gossip, Wisdom makes us wise to the mystery of life, and wisdom makes us wise to the menace of sin. Let me uh, maybe just take the first thought here and and be done this morning. Let's look at the malice of gossip. Verse 21-22, wisdom's going to help us deal with life. It'll help us balance ourselves in the midst of life's unevenness, and it will help fortify us. It will be a bulwark against the hammer blows of life. And he begins to see wisdom at work. And in verse 21, what does he say? Also, do not take to heart everything people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. For many times also your own heart has known that even you have cursed others. Wisdom would inform us that we all need to be hard of hearing when it comes to what others say about us. Why? Well, because we're in a fallen world. That's for sure. Look at verse 20. For there is not a just man on the earth who does good and does not sin. Okay, so bear that in mind and come over to James chapter 1. And you're going to see where man's fallenness sometimes is to be seen most cruelly and most clearly. Chapter 3 of James, my brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing you shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man. We live in a fallen world. We're going to stumble. We're going to mess up. We're going to foul up. And one of the areas you and I are going to do it with is speech use of our tongue, communication. None of us are perfect. That's not a standard we should hold ourselves to. Many of us will stumble in this area. And so Solomon comes with a a little bit of a practical advice, become hard of hearing. Because you're going to hear stuff about you that others say in a fallen world where people stumble, especially in the arena of the tongue. And you need to know how to deal with that. It was Pascal, right? the French philosopher who said, if all men knew what each other said of the other, there wouldn't be four friends in the world. Some truth to that, isn't there? You know, few of us escape the world without the scars and the wounds that are inflicted by a sharp and a cutting tongue. In Proverbs chapter 12 and and verse 18, we read about how cutting the tongue can be. There is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword. Anybody got any puncture wounds from a sharp tongue this morning? We've all been the target of criticism. We will all be the target of complaint. But here's what Solomon says, don't keep score. Okay? Don't keep score. He's telling us here that it's it's not a wise thing to take to heart everything people say. Don't keep score because you can't control what others say, and you have a few skeletons in your own cupboard, basically. You know, should the, you know, the master of the house go down and put his ear to the door of the kitchen and hear his servants cursing him? And he gets in all a, a lather and gets very self-righteous. But if he just took a moment, maybe he had remembered that the day before he had cursed one of his servants. You know, you, you remember the time when somebody said something bad about you and you either heard it directly or heard it indirectly that it hurt you? You're right. But did you remember maybe 30 minutes later that the day before you called your son or your daughter stupid? See, there's no real profit. Here's what Solomon's saying. There's no real profit to running a rumor down to the ground or trying to find out who said what and when. And, and, and because one, it's a distraction And two, it can become an occasion for hypocrisy because which one of us is perfect? Isn't that what James says? We're going to stumble in this area. We need to be mindful of that. Always remember that much of what is said about you is not true. And therefore, it shouldn't hurt you because the person they're speaking about doesn't exist. How can it hurt you when they're talking about somebody else? Because they're not talking about you, the person you know yourself to be. One wise man said, he didn't insult me at all. In fact, he was talking about another man, the man he thought I was. It's a good piece of advice. And, And there's a second thing here. Always remember that you are the greatest critic of yourself. And therefore, others can never be as hard on you as you could be on yourself. One man said, I never worry about people who say evil things about me because I know a lot more stuff about me than they do and it's 10 times worse. <laughs> it's a good piece of advice. You see, this is practical. This is, this is wisdom. Solomon's saying, look, you're in a fallen world. You gotta keep your balance. And one of the areas you gotta keep your balance is, you know what, tongues will talk. But don't go listening to everything your servants say. You'll hear them cursing, it'll upset you and then you'll get distracted or you'll get hypocritical and you'll forget that you yourself have not been that good with your mouth. That's why I love the the words of uh, C.H. Spurgeon. Every pastor needs to read lectures to my students by C.H. Spurgeon. It's an old classic. These are the lectures he gave to the pastors in London when Spurgeon pastored in the Metropolitan Tabernacle. And I read this section many, many years ago as a young young pastor. And I think it's kept me sane, and it has allowed me to survive the ministry. Because people talk about pastors, don't they? A lot. (laughs) Spurgeon said to every pastor, and I think it's good for anybody, every pastor needs a blind eye and a deaf ear, he said. A blind eye and a deaf ear. And in fact, in his lectures to his students, he says this. Having often said in this room that a minister ought to have one blind eye and one deaf ear, I have excited the curiosity of several brothers who have requested an explanation, okay? What do you mean a blind eye and a deaf ear, Mr. Spurgeon? Listen to this. A part of my meaning is expressed in plain language by Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 21. That's where we're at here. Also take no heed unto all the words that are spoken, lest thou hear thy servant curse thee. The margin says, give not thy heart to all words that are spoken. Do not take them to heart or let them weigh with you. Do not notice them or act as if you heard them. And then he goes on, you cannot stop people's tongues. Therefore, the best thing you can do is to stop your ears and never mind what is spoken. There is a world of idle chit-chat abroad, and he who takes notice of it will have enough to do. It's a great quote. It's a good word to you, to me, pastors, or people alike. Have a blind eye and a deaf ear as you go through life. Don't become overly righteous. You know, I'm going to fix him. I'm going to fix that. You know what? We're in a fallen world. Life is messy. Relationships are messy. The wrong people at times seem to be on top. The righteous suffer. The wicked get away scot-free. What's going on? Well, you and I need to sit tight and know that he is God. And just on a practical level, have a blind eye and have a deaf ear. Let's pray. Lord, we never cease to be amused at the practicality of the word of the living God. We've turned to an ancient book that takes us back to the days of horses and chariots in the temple of Solomon. But, oh God, does it not speak to a world of jet planes and rocket ships? Lord, we look out on our world and it is a world of unevenness and imbalance. We know we live in a cursed world. We know that things are not what they ought to be. And wisdom would remind us of that. There's not a just man on the earth. Who does not sin? And Lord, at times we get upset at the wickedness of the wicked. Help us to sit tight. And I pray for those who, Lord, have not yet come to faith in Jesus Christ. I pray that they would not mistake your long suffering for a license to sin. For the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, and then sudden destruction help them to prepare for eternity help them to prepare for the storm that's brewing lord our tongue is a small member but what evil it inflicts like the bit in a horse's mouth like the rudder of a ship it it does more than it looks lord there's not one of us hasn't stumbled Lord, help us to be practical and wise help us to lord Know how to handle gossip and malice speech. Help us to become hard of hearing. Help us to have a blind eye and a deaf ear for our own good and for the good of others. For these things we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: That's a prayer that could change our homes, our communities, and our churches. You're listening to Philip DeCorsi on Know the Truth. Our study in the book of Ecclesiastes reminds us to keep our balance. You can hear more messages from the Quest for the Best series when you visit us online at ktt.org. There you can access our broadcast archives for free or purchase messages on CD. And don't forget, messages are also available on the KTT app and podcast. At Know the Truth, Philip DeCorsi takes seriously the job of teaching the Bible, sharing the truth that sets men and women free. And we want to invite you to become part of this gospel-centered mission when you give a generous donation today at 888-644-8811 or become one of our monthly Truth Ambassadors. It's easy to give online at ktt.org. And when you donate $20 or more today, we'll send you a book that Philip highly recommends called The Strategy of Satan. It's from beloved pastor and author Warren Wiersbe. This highly practical resource reads like a manual for spiritual warfare, giving you biblical advice for detecting and defeating the devil. Ask for the book, The Strategy of Satan, when you give a generous gift of $20 or more. Donate online at ktt.org or call 888-644-8811. And if you prefer to send a check, you can write to us at Truth. Post Office Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California 92809. Now if you're new to know the truth, we've got a free gift for you today. It's produced by our KTT team and designed to give you a handy reference for overcoming the temptations that arise each and every day. Don't be caught off guard. Get fortified with God's Word presented in the free Keys to Understanding Temptation bookmark. That's all the time for today. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd, inviting you back tomorrow for another lesson from the book of Ecclesiastes. We're learning to keep our balance in a topsy-turvy world. And there's more encouragement coming Tuesday on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free.
2: You know, we live in the society that has now for, what, 44 years told people that abortion is just a woman's choice, it's a right, and that it doesn't involve anyone else. And, of course, we haven't talked about the babies. We haven't talked about the men.
0: You know, abortion affects many lives, as Melissa Odin explains on Focus on the Family Minute.
2: Truly, everywhere I go... I always hear from families about the devastation that they too have experienced over the years because of abortion. And as painful as that is, I think we also see the flip side, right? The beauty of the legacy of choosing life and the reality that, yes, even though my life should have ended through that abortion attempt, my life was spared. And because my life was spared, I have two beautiful daughters who will go on to have future generations to come. And that is an incredible blessing.
0: Here's an update about a live from New York at familyminute.org.
1: Hello, I'm Mike Lindell.
0: Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. (laughs)